Sometimes the public's perception of agriculture isn't quite the reality of agriculture. There's that Disney-like image of agriculture where the farmer, animals, and plants are all having a great old time under blue skies. Or you get that medieval peasant image where agriculture is a lot of hard work, 24-7, 365 days a year. In both those images, the agriculture producer is often six foot something, built like a tank, flannel shirt, baseball cap, and he's in his 50s. And he is a he in this image, not a she. With the number of female farm operators increasing, you gotta wonder if this image is about to change. I'm Derek Leahy, and in this episode of Rural Roots to Climate Solutions, we're discussing women in agriculture. So once again, we're doing something that's a bit out there and referring to a human being as a farm solution that's also a climate solution. If you recall, the last time we did something like this was our two-part series on new farmers, so episode 39 and 41, with Dana Penrice from Young Agrarians. Really great episodes if you get a chance to listen to them. You might be asking yourself, why is the Rural Roots to Climate Solutions podcast, the podcast shining a big old spotlight on the land management practices and farm technology that are good for the farm, good for the climate, and a great fit for Alberta, why are we treating human beings like a land management practice or a piece of agritech? Well, and you've probably heard this one before. You can't have land stewardship without land stewards. So once in a while, it does make sense for us to unpack who these land stewards are since they come from all different walks of life. In the case of the topic in this episode, women in agriculture and how that relates to on-farm or on-ranch climate solutions, our interest in exploring this topic was sparked by a Canadian Food Studies article that was published in 2018 which we'll talk about a little later in this episode. Actually, it was that exact same article that got us thinking of new farmers as a farm solution that's also a climate solution. Our interest in exploring the subject of women in agriculture only increased when we noticed that in the last census, Statistics Canada found the number of female farm operators in Canada working on farms and ranches that produce renewable energy or working on farms and ranches that produce organic produce was growing. So you could say our curiosity got the better of us, and now we're devoting a whole episode to this one. This is another one of those episodes where we take one of our webinar recordings, slice and dice it, and turn it into a podcast episode for those of you who didn't get a chance to participate in the webinar. Plus, we add some additional material from our own research. The webinar Women in Agriculture took place last fall with four speakers and was hosted by my co-worker, Marie Galanka. Marie Galanka is like our webinar host extraordinaire. You'll occasionally hear from Marie as she asks many of the questions in this episode. Some interesting stats from Statistics Canada that relates to the subject at hand before we hear from the panel. I went down a, a bit of a stats can rabbit hole before recording. So here's what I got for you. Women make up 32% of farm operators in Alberta. By the way, a farm operator is defined by Statistics Canada as an individual responsible for management decisions. Even though the overall number of farm operators is decreasing in Canada, the number of female operators is increasing. 
As of 2021, there were over 18,000 women operating farms and ranches in Alberta. With over 18,000 female operators, Alberta has the second highest provincial total of female operators in Canada, second only to Ontario. BC was the highest percentage-wise with almost 40%. For this one, I struggled to find provincial data in time for recording, but what I can tell you is nationally, Canadian female farm operators make up a third of operators in almost every type of agriculture. Goat and sheep farmers had the highest percentage of female operators, was around 40%, and the lowest was in oil, seeds, and grains, which was around 25%. Just because the numbers seem to be headed in the right direction doesn't mean there aren't still challenges and barriers that women in agriculture face. The first question the panelists tackled was, what are the barriers women face in agriculture? Karen Schmid, who is Alberta Beef Producers' lead on beef production and extension, with her response. fortunate to work with a lot of women in several different capacities, whether that's research scientists, whether that's our delegates or on our board of directors and, and other staff members in, in the various agricultural commodity organizations. So I see a lot of women being a lot of rock stars a lot of the time. Um, but I do think women experience a lot of the same barriers as other underrepresented groups in agriculture, you know, whether that be visible minorities, members of the LGBTQ community, people with visible or non-visible disabilities, and even youth or smaller scale producers. I think there's really still an element for, for a lot of those demographics where they're not always taken seriously right at the beginning, or they're not considered a real farmer or rancher, whatever that means in people's perceptions and, and brains. I think one of really the largest challenges I see for women in particular, and, and to some extent, I think it's actually one we put on ourselves, is the pressure to do it all, right? And have it be perfect. You know, I know a lot of these, these rock stars who are really successful in their agricultural careers, but underneath, they feel like they're dropping the balls in their personal life, whether that be, you know, raising kids, or if their house is perpetually messy, or if they don't have much of a social life, or they aren't as attentive to their partner as they, they would like to be potentially. And I think there's this guilt that comes along with that, that you know, you're not being a good mom or a good friend or a good partner, even though you're probably killing it at your job, right? Or the, the part of the agriculture that other people see you participating in. And, and I think that's a really tough place to be in. Because if you're trying to do all of the things, you can't do all of the things perfectly, right? Women put a lot of pressure, especially on themselves. I don't think it's always external pressure, but I think it, it, a lot of it comes from within to always have this, this perfect persona being presented to the world and that everything is really going well all of the time. And it's okay if it's not. And I, I think there's a, that pressure um, really causes a lot of burnout for, for people that, are trying to do all of the things. We don't have to do all of the things. And I think hopefully, you know, there's 
people in those situations, women and those other underrepresented groups in agriculture have those support systems to take off some of that pressure because it's not fair. It's not fair for to try and do it all and have it all be perfect all of the time. It's just not a realistic expectation, but I think it does exist. And and that's something that that troubles me when I when I talk to some of my fellow female gendered people in agriculture. Next is Karen Linquist, who is an agrologist out in East Central Alberta. You know, talking to and reading a bunch of stuff from ladies and uh, on social media and that and their groups that's where they can actually say speak their mind without that fear of backlashing a lot of them speak to that um aspect of not being taken seriously right off the start like there's a there's a lot of ladies who um struggle with a lot of men who look at them and and automatically think that they're not they're not farmer type or they're not they're not capable of having having a mechanical mindset or or knowing much about about their animals and so on and so forth, and then they get talked down to, and then they're made to be felt felt inferior and like they're not good enough, you know. And that's and I don't. Firstly, I haven't been able to. I haven't. I haven't had that much of it. I think because my personality is, if I get talked down to, I talk down to. I kind of talk back or I equalize the the set the equilibrium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't put up with that that stuff. So, and they respect me for that. But it's just, but other other women are, you know, they're not, they don't have, they're not like me. They're not, you know, they they're they don't know what to do or or how to handle the situation, I guess, or or they get kind of confused or discouraged, you know, on the and uh, and then they just some of them and you just feel like they're kind of regret being in agriculture. Like, why why am I in this field? And yet others are just like you know what, this is, this is the way it is. I'm just going to keep forging ahead regardless and because it's their chosen path. And, you know, it's, that's, that's what they want to do. It's, it's, that's your goal. That's their, their life career. And that's, they're very passionate about that. And I think that's, that's really, that's really good. So, so to build on that, that aspect of, of, of not being taken seriously and, you know, feeling discouraged in that, but I, I think a lot of women today see that there's, a lot more women that are in agriculture and they feel encouraged and feel empowered enough to keep going that to keep going to what they what they really feel empowered about i mean they couldn't do that 50 years ago or 100 years ago it would be extremely hard you have a woman would have to be very very tough to keep going like you know 100 years ago but today it's 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 a lot it's still it's it's still there but it's just it's a lot different i'm looking back in my university in agriculture decades ago it was dominated by a lot of by a lot of guys in there but when i took courses i think like most of my classes were like 80 percent ladies in there 80 percent girls are, are women which is very encouraging today i i feel like you know women are still struggling but we're in transition transition phase is is the way i like to see it. i don't know when that transition phase is going to end and when when things are going to start especially in agriculture where the tide is going to finally shift but it's coming I, I have very i have such very very much confidence that it's 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 coming i think it's so important too you you kind of touched on it is is um having that support and connection with other women and that's not necessarily something that that was maybe happening a hundred years ago but it it helps give you strength in some of those difficult conversations and situations so we're we have much stronger networks now 
Jana van Freyer is a grains producer near Wetaskiwin. She's also a participant in our regenerative agriculture lab. Here's Jana's perspective on the barriers women face in agriculture. Karen said it really, really nicely. It's we try to be perfect. I think that's genetically ingrained in us. Myself, I'm I'm a victim of that. When I married to the farm, I filled my mother-in-law's shoes and they were big. But that wasn't really what made me happy to to care for everyone, to to feed the crew. And that wasn't I mean, I like cooking, but every day that's a different thing. And then once I said no, I, I, I need a I need my food in the field again. I, I need to do scouting and soil sampling and, and I want to have time for that. And it was always, I have to make the time. I have to step up and say, no, I'm going out in the field now. And I, I have to look at the crop now. And I had to make the decision that this room was not just there on the side. I still cook for, for the crew and I still go grocery shopping, which is not just five minutes down the road. It's yeah. always a whole day trip which is, is lost. So I, I'm standing in my own way sometimes. And I still struggle. I don't know how to fix it, really, because now we have a daughter. She's four years old. I want to do a good job of raising her because I don't see... And I'm not a social media person. I don't want to see my kids sitting in, even in front of the TV for hours and hours a day either. I want, to, I want her seeing the world with her eyes because right now is the time for her to soak it up like a sponge. And I want to be there. Sometimes when, when you actually go on social media, you feel, you feel bad about yourself because they say, oh, yeah, you have to do this for yourself and you have to do that for yourself. And like, I, my day just doesn't have enough hours almost being selfish. Like, that's how I feel. I'm being selfish if I take a, an hour or two a day just for myself. What I'm trying to do is I actually want to start a company next year in the spring. And my mom tells me, Anna, you just have too much on the go. Like, how do you want to do this? This will be just another thing to do. And I said, you know what? This is the place where I'm the happiest. Is in the field, scouting the crop, being in a soil pit. This is when I actually make take really good selfies. <laughs> when I'm in the field and I'm being happy. I mean, also I love my child and I, I, I love to cook, but like honestly, the best selfies I take in the field because that's my happy place, and I, I just have to make room for it, and that is on me. Last, but definitely not least, Shiana Younger, who's a rancher in Brownfield, Alberta. Shiana is also my co-worker, and like Marie, who facilitated this panel, is a pretty damn integral part of her regenerative agriculture lab. Um, I think I feel a lot similar to, to Yana as well, that we stand in our own way some of the time, in terms of like barriers from from outside, I don't really feel like there are many anymore. When I was like super young and trying to go into the farm equipment places and telling them, okay, I need this part, you'd get some crotchety old guy that would tell you, try to tell you, you need, you know, $600 worth of parts when I needed 30. And well, lady, you don't know what you're talking about. You need this. But I think like most of those kind of barriers are gone. Women are just like out and out and in the business aspect of things so much more. So I don't really feel like that is a barrier anymore. There's so many producers there's so many people um like leading egg companies and and operations and 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 different things like that within the communities that i don't really feel like those are barriers anymore i do feel like there is tons of great support from other women in leading roles and so i feel like that's really awesome and very inspiring as well but i do agree with yana that that sometimes we probably are standing in our own way in terms of 
you know, trying to do everything perfect, like Karen said, and, and trying to do all the things when, when really it's not physically possible to do all the things perfect. And I also agree with Yana, like we try to raise our girls to have a good appreciation for, for nature and for land stewardship and those kind of things. And so I feel like right now while they're young, I feel very compelled to spend a lot of energy trying to do that. Because like she said, they're only young for a while. The little sponge brain is gonna <laughs> good absorbing everything that we tell them soon. And yeah, I think those are really important things. And, and just to encourage them to to like continue learning and that, and that kind of thing as well. And so I guess I agree with all three of the other ladies as well. The next question the panel discussed was around land stewardship in agriculture. To give you a bit of context to the question Marie is about to ask the panel, in 2018, a research paper called New Farmers and Food Policies in Canada was published by Canadian Food Studies. The researchers who wrote the article found after surveying over 1,000 new, aspiring, current, or former producers across Canada that women were more likely to engage in agroecological practices. So practices that you might refer to as regenerative, or we often refer to on this podcast as climate-friendly. Now, why might this be? Let's hear what the panel has to say about that one. One thing I wanted to discuss, so women in agriculture are, we are gaining increasing recognition actually for being a driving force in conservation efforts. And like good stewardship is good stewardship. It's it's gender neutral, but women are often the champions of sustainable practices on farms. Karen, like, what do you think is unique to women that makes them such strong stewards of the land? The first thing that come to mind, the first word that came to mind is mother. We are the you know maternal nurturing, understanding, and um, kind and thoughtful and compassionate to everything around us from the plants the animals to to how to our children to everything and i think that's what makes us a very very powerful force in regenerative and sustainable agriculture yeah no um why do you think women are being recognized for being such strong stewards of the land well because it's grained in us to care for something mm-hmm. and we're we are open for different ways to care for it, just so we can care for it. We're not open for just one way. We look for different answers and we are open to hear these answers. So we look at different ways. And so when I see my husband, he doesn't really come off the farm that much. The only time he actually gets off the farm is to go to farm shows, to go to a hockey game (laughs) or to go, yeah, to, to farm tech. So it's really funneled what goes into his brain. So, but I am, especially because now we have a kid, how I said it already, you go to the doctor and you have to go to this doctor and that doctor. You, you, you talk to different kinds of doctors. So maybe you, you hear the word gut health and then you think about microorganism and you think about soil. So there's like one way you are even more exposed to other things. When you talk to other farm wives, they say, oh, well, we want to get pigs or we don't want to get pigs or we want to do composting. Um, you have different conversations than the males have. Like It seems like they always just talk about machineries and yield and pricing. And because we do so many other things, we have different conversations 
once we have the opportunity because i mean i i don't get a lot out either but i sure get out more than he does mm -hmm. and we both are not social media types so we don't spread the word and we try not to waste too much time on it either yeah there's that unique experience and unique perspective that you have that brings a lot to it i think for sure shiana how about you that was exactly my thoughts too karen yeah. The first word that came to my mind was also nurturing. I guess when I read the question, I was thinking that basically our nurturing instincts are very much related to what land stewardship even is, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's like taking care of your kid. You're managing it to stay healthy. You protect them from harm and damage. Where if they have symptoms or issues, we're addressing that without trying to dump a bunch of chemicals or toxins into their bodies. Like we encourage them to do healthy things, healthy practices to promote growth. We want them to do things and to work and to learn you know learn how their bodies work and, and exercise and all those things but we also don't want to wear want them to wear themselves out if we do have issues or the kids are sick or something you always nurse them back to health and recovery and so i feel like that's all very similar yeah. to what you do as a land steward and karen schmidt you're the last one to go how about you and maybe have a little bit of a different perspective on this particular question so so as i as i mentioned in my introduction i i did grow up on a farm and we're still involved. My parents are still still working away out there, but they're not getting any younger. Um, but both of us girls live in the city. Uh, I do have a job that's related to agriculture. My sister does not. I think to some extent, even though we're city people now, honestly, <laughs> there's there's still that connection to the land. And I think any good steward exhibits similar traits. And and I think it I think it transcends gender. I don't think mm -hmm. that women are more likely to be good stewards of the land than men. I think it's about their individual personalized traits. It's that connection with the land, the desire to leave something better than how you found it, that lifestyle that that being in agriculture provides that is certainly different from being in that urban environment you know where you can order pizza with the click of an app right and you don't have to drive two hours to get groceries and you don't have to plan your your day around you know those errands that you have to get done that are going to take up a significant portion of your day but there is something i think about being in nature and and feeling that connection to the land that leads people to want to take care of it. And I think we've seen actually a lot of this, and I'm going to use another urban example during COVID, is, is really there was an absolute mad influx of people taking up outdoor pursuits, whether that was hiking, visiting park, parks, camping. Now, some of these people did not have respect for the land. And that, that is true. And we could see that. But that did not go away, you know, once COVID restrictions were over. We're, there was a whole new crop of people that felt, you know, that connection with being out in, the, out in nature and seeing our beautiful landscapes. And I think there's something about that, that, that those of us that were fortunate enough to grow up in an agriculture environment, just having grain into us where you know you see those prairie sunsets or those prairie sunrises or you're looking over your field of wheat or your cattle grazing and it's just there's just something so peaceful and and so right about it and i think a lot of people got to experience that in a different way when they were you know forced to go outside because a lot of their their normal pursuits were not the greatest things to be pursuing during during the covid restrictions what what I'm really saying here is that I think 
you know, we've heard the word nurturing, we've heard the word, you know, wanting to that really great analogy about wanting to take care of things. I don't have children. I'm I'm not really a nurturer. But at the same time, I really feel like we have a responsibility to take care of the land so it takes care of us. To wrap things up, Marie asked the panel, what kind of systems do we need to put in place to better support women in agriculture? But she framed the question in a really cool way. Shayana, I'll start with you. So in in your future perfect world, what's in place so that women can really achieve everything that they want to achieve in agriculture? I love questions that require creative and imaginative thinking. Okay, first up is Rancher and Rural Roots to Climate Solutions Coordinator, Shiana Younger. I had a hard time with that because I feel like it's pretty awesome already. And I feel like there's some things that I would like to see, and I don't know, maybe they're already in place, but because we have three girls, I feel like I would love to see that there's equal opportunities for them entering anything I related, whether it's academics or trades, um, and like for financing financing opportunities and stuff if they decided that they wanted to buy some land or buy some cows like when i was 17 i went to the loan i went to the bank to get a loan to buy some cows and it was unheard of they thought it was a joke but i had a really awesome banker and she was able to pull some strings and got me the loan got it paid it off early and it was just good right it was a good experience and so i feel like to not have those kind of barriers for our girls would really be awesome and I feel like times have changed enough that that probably isn't a super, uh, a super big worry, but you know, those kind of things I think would be important. And I think it's great. Like even right now, there's so many articles about women in action in egg. And I, like, I just feel like more of that, more stories and more storytelling and uh, more sharing of experiences, stuff like that, I think is, is what I would like to see. Yeah. Awesome. Yana, how about yourself? I don't know. How do you eat an (laughs) elephant? Bite by bite, right? Yeah. (laughs) That was a hard question for me as well. I mean, whatever I put my mind to in the past, I, I accomplished. It was never said, okay, be you, because you're a girl, you can't, you can't do that. Or if it was said, then I, I just repeated, okay, watch me. And I did yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, slowly, but surely I did it. So, mm-hmm. and that, these are the challenges um, which you need to grow, right? If it would be a perfect future, then you don't have any growing experience either or opportunities. I don't know. Sometimes it needs to be hard to to grow. Yeah. That's a good perspective on it. Yeah. And just in case all the different names and voices are getting a little confusing, I'm sure it doesn't help that there's two Karens in this episode. That was Jana von Fryer, who's a grain farmer near Wetaskiwin. And this is Karen Lindquist, an agrologist in East Central Alberta. They're already in place and we're, we're already in that, in that world. It's just, it's just in a transition phase right now. And we're just in this transition phase where things will get better and better as years goes on. I'm coming from a very optimistic standpoint, but I think that's I think that's the truth. And I think we're already there. We're just we don't there's no other systems we really need to be in place to to grow and to be more than what we are in the future. And here is Alberta beef producers lead on beef production and extension, Karen Schmidt. Sure. I think there's been a a bit of an overarching theme that we've talked about, you know, and that's time, right? Mm -hmm. So if we want to explore opportunities to further our own individual knowledge, our learning, you know, take a class, all of those participate in industry events, participate in agricultural events, we need time, 
so I think it kind of brings it back to what I said at the beginning around, you know, trying to do it all. And so some of the some of the supports, I think, especially in rural communities, you know, are things like access to child care, you know, reliable child care. Some some of us will have really great communities where that's really easy to do. You know, you, you foist them off on the mother-in-law for a day or, or what have you. But others don't have that same opportunity. And And I mean coming from, you know, living now in a city, you know, where it's it's pretty easy to drop the kids off at daycare, quite honestly, you know, that opportunity, those same opportunities don't exist to the same extent in rural communities. And I think anything that we can do to try and take some of that pressure off ourselves and, and make there be some time to take advantage of those opportunities without feeling that guilt, I think would, would really support women in, in their goals moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's across the board too. That's that's not just the case for women in agriculture. I think that's women across the board. Yeah, definitely. Time. We want to say a big thank you to Karen, Shiana, Yana, and Karen for your honesty and sharing your views and stories with us. We'd also like to take this opportunity to give a shout out to all our peers and colleagues working in agriculture extension services. Maybe I'm not telling you anything new here, but if you haven't noticed, The vast majority of people working in egg extension are women. And honestly, I'm not sure where this extremely vital service for agriculture producers would be in Alberta without them. Just wanted to say thank you for everything you're doing for the agriculture community. You folks are awesome. Rural Roots to Climate Solutions is an Alberta-based initiative empowering agriculture producers and the communities they live in with climate solutions. Rural Roots runs workshops, farm field days, webinars, and the Regenerative Agriculture Lab, produces a farmer's blog, works with rural communities to develop their own renewable energy projects, and of course, we do this podcast. For more information about us and what we do, go to the website, which is www.rr2cs.ca. The rest of the amazing and talented Rural Roots to Climate Solutions team is... Marie Galanka, Shiana Younger, and Kristen Mountain. The podcast is funded by a variety of Alberta-based funders, and this episode was done in partnership with Young Agrarians. My parts of this episode were recorded in Calgary, so that means they were recorded on Treaty 7 lands and in the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. Happy farming wherever you are in Alberta. And remember, what's good for the climate is good for the farm.